Welcome to this episode of Ripping on Bodice Rippers. My name is Kim. And I'm Jenny. And today we are talking about A Promise of Fire by Amanda Boucher. Yay! Yay! <laughs> but before that, let's catch up a little bit. Let's. How, how have you been doing? Um, to put it in one word, stressed. Maybe overwhelmed. Yeah. How about you? Bad. Yeah. But that's fine. Kim and I, if y'all don't know, we're roommates and we've just been both so poor <laughs> this week. The, yeah, the past week has been hard. Yeah. Uh, I think I said something last night where I was like, I'm having flickers of happiness. Yeah. And that's not the and truth. Then, and then you read me the giving tree yeah. while I was at my lowest point. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it was not an affront to you. I just, that book comforts me deeply. Sure. I don't, no, it does not comfort me at all. Well, Bailey just completely forgot about it, so it felt like a, felt like something I needed to do. If anything, it sends me into a wild bout Mm. of depression. Oh, geez. I'm sorry. It's okay. (laughs) See, I always take it as a warning to not spread myself too thin, which is exactly Mm. what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Indeed. I'm quite the fucking hypocrite, but you know, I'll just, I'll put, I'll, I'll keep putting responsibilities in other people before myself and, and then look back and think, wow, bad decision. That's okay. How about you? Well, besides being bad, there's, there was a lot of crying, which you witnessed and there was some more crying, which you did not witness, but at least I didn't throw up in your bathroom this time. No, you didn't. I call that. A win. Yes, that's a win in our book. I'm proud of you. Uh, let's talk about what happened at your meeting earlier this week, since it yeah. pertains to what we're doing on the show. Of course. So um, I am basically the president of this student organization at the college we go to, and um, we were we do themed meetings every other week. And this week we were celebrating Black History Month, so we were just giving out a ton of recommendations and discussing whether or not our syllabi um, had racial diversity and what we could do to push diversity into our syllabi and make sure uh, black voices are represented. And at the very end, we had an overall call for just any more recommendations, and I realized I forgot to recommend Reese Ryan, who's... um, a black woman author who lives in North Carolina, who I've had the pleasure of working with at Flyleaf. And she just recently released Second Chance on Cypress Lane, which I'm currently reading and loving. Um, So I recommended instead a book of her she published last year called A Reunion of Rivals. Yeah, it was really fun. It was like a Harlequin romance. It was like really short and like exactly what I needed during school. Mm hmm. Um, so I recommended it and one of the people at the meetings just looked it up and was immediately like, ew, no, I'm not reading that because if y'all know Harlequin covers, they're obviously yeah. locked in an embrace. And this was like at a boardroom. They mm-hmm. were both wearing professional clothing and they were like almost kissing, but it wasn't like scandalous by any means. It was just an embrace. Yeah. It's it just your classic, classic <laughs> romance novel cover. And so... I was just like, not this again, right? Because I already, yeah, like, exactly. have fought tooth and nail. Mm-hmm. Not, like, like I, not fought, but, like, I've definitely felt that judgment before. For especially sure. working at a bookstore and trying to recommend romance to people. Absolutely. They'll just be like, oh, I don't know. And you're just like, fuck. 
come on, <laughs> like get over yourself. Um, yeah. So it was just difficult to like have to push back again and be like, okay, well, there's nothing shameful about this cover. Mm-hmm. In fact, seeing two dark skinned black models on a cover is super rare. Oh, so, I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. So that in itself is amazing. And then like, don't knock it just because it looks like what you think something's cheesy. And I just get very frustrated because I am always angry at the thought of why do people consider romance novels cheesy Mm -hmm. and why has it been given that label? And is it because it's a genre written mostly by By women women for for women? women. So then there's a sense of ingrained misogyny into the publishing industry and then readers. Yes. Um, So, yeah, I was pushing back. I was like, well, that's not shameful. And we shouldn't have to feel embarrassed about reading romance. Snaps to you. Thank you. I was just like, listen, I've already overcome my whole internal shame Mm and trying to like read romance in public or not tell people I read romance. Mm -hmm. And so I'm always super over it uh, when someone tries to shame a romance novel, especially one that I loved and especially one that's also making a difference with its models too yeah and it's definitely a tired narrative by now anyone who is anything like involved in romance landia knows that it's a tired narrative yes. when someone from outside of that of the world looks at a cover and it's like oh it clearly has no merit because there's two people about Joyful. to kiss yeah and the thing about romance is like sure there's a lot of tropes but that's why it's a genre because genres have specific characteristics. Yes. That's why we group them together. And like we don't see sci-fi getting nearly right. half as much shit for their crappy covers. Like no one gives a shit about sci-fi's like silhouette of a moon or some <sighs> random planet. And then yes. like yeah. a sans serif font. Like okay. <laughs> sans serif font. Oh my god. Yes. Right. Yeah. So. And there's this whole bigger conversation happening, too, um, in the romance community about um, illustrated covers versus, like, pictures and modeling. Mm, Yeah. Um, I forgot the title, but I shared that um, cover with you that was making its waves on romance Twitter about the priest. Oh, (laughs) Do you remember that? Oh, yes. Yeah, so it's like a priest romance that's coming out. Um, I'll look it up and let y'all know what it is but um essentially people were really like okay this is like a taboo romance but none of that is on the cover on the cover at all so it's um pretty marketed poorly and then plus because she's he's like really prominent on the cover and then she's sitting on his shoulder like a devil and so they're like it gets into this whole like virgin madonna horror complex and it's obviously showing a big power indifference between the couple right um yeah so that's something to think about too like what is traditional romance doing in making all or a big majority of romance novels illustrated Mm -hmm. and maybe that goes into play with wanting a more generalized group to read romance without feeling shame but i think the more constructive way is to make take the shame out of reading romance Romance. period right i had a similar experience at work i Mm. am a medical scribe at the local hospital and i like during my shift i had some time in between like you know 
what I needed to do. I had some free time and I was reading for the podcast because I'm taking three English classes. Yeah. So I got to read whenever yes. I have time to. And one of the doctors was like, hey, what are you reading? Just like casually out of conversation. And I felt such a need to defend myself. Mm. And she wasn't even like, you know, it was yeah. just a very casual question. And I was like, oh, it's called A Promise of Fire. And it's a fantasy romance, but I'm reading it for my podcast. And then like, I was like, wait, you don't have to justify right. why you're reading it. And there doesn't need to be all those qualifiers, but I think us our hackles raising is like obviously because we've been shamed before right like that's a valid defense mechanism i think so listeners we get it Mm -hmm. we feel you we've been there and there's no shame here no in this corner of the podcasting world yeah in our small little corner of the internet no shame at all yeah and join romance landia twitter because it's it's a riot yes so um, our Twitter, it's at Ripping on Pod, and Kim and I both share it. And she retweeted this one thing, and I saw it because of the retweet. I was like, what did Kim retweet? Um, it was well worth a post. Oh, yes. Okay, so it's an old-timey letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to see it, it's well worth reading the whole thing, but I, Jenny is just going to read a little, a little, a little snippet bit. for everyone. Yeah, so... Um, person on twitter said went antiquing today and found what i thought were some cute letters but turns out and so you see the letters they look like old romance letters but um in fact um was it dated it's let's see on a quick perusal i cannot find the date okay unfortunately but it's from seattle washington it looked old yes and it was yeah from seattle washington it's signed by anne who also goes by your well-fucked girlfriend. Which is a moniker I am so envious of mm. right now. The only thing well-fucked in my life is... Our minds? Yeah, and ooh, the only thing well-fucked in my life is my love life. <laughs> <laughs> not even in... Not in a not good in way. Not in a good way. Yes, well, Anne gets fucked, and we want to live vicariously through her. Yeah, and she does so. Many realistic version of our segment what did they call it mm-hmm. which Anne, yeah Anne says since then i have been fucked standing up sitting down sideways in the armpits between the tits etc well this letter tom is coming over to see us for our for a final match we are going to try double fucking again <gasps> we'll see you soon it's like oh. oh sex referred to as a match okay Anne. Anne. I love her. Um, I wonder what the etc. entails. Yeah, if if armpit fucking wasn't part of the etc., I right. really need to know what freaky shit Anne got into. Yeah, Anne. Like, if armpits are worth the mention, what's too scandalous to write down? <laughs> also, how does that how okay. does that work? Like, if you're laying down, like if you're the person, I can't think you whose armpit is down. getting fucked. Uh huh. I think you'd be have to be kneeling, right? Because oh, the, I the see. penis has to go through the crevice yes. of your armpit. I see. So you, he would have to be sitting. You would have to kneel uh-huh. next to him and somehow, and like, you know. Right. <laughs> Maneuver around. <laughs> or maybe he's laying down. But like, see, that's just, just like a lot of like strenuous movement. I've thought about this honestly 
all day、oh, after、wow. reading that letter, and I'm truly still so I'm just perplexed. Shooting off the cuff here, but yeah, the only version I can see is maybe he's standing and she's kneeling, and instead of like blowing him off,、mm. he fucks her armpit. <laughs> <laughs> so if that ever happens, just say alternatively, I do not want to give you a blowjob, but you can <laughs> fuck me in the armpit. Here's the thing, though. As we're recording it, it is the dead of winter,、mm. so I have not waxed or shaved、oh. in months. Well, you know what? That, that's, maybe that's more realistic then. It's gonna make for scratchy experience. <laughs> well, you know, just shampoo those hairs up; they'll be soft.、Oh. <laughs> or shave, you know. Do what you want. Oh dear, Anne. Anne, we、good. aspire to be you. Good、Anne. for Anne. Yeah. Like I said. Uh, the rest of the letter, also well worth the read, is、mm-hmm. a retweet on our pod or our Twitter, Riffing on Pod. Taking gander, yeah, it's quite a fun fun time. Yeah. Also, wow, humans have been freaky since the dawn of time. Yeah,、mm. it's not just now. Let's get into Promise of Fire. Yes. Uh, Jenny, give us the synopsis. Of course. Kingdoms will rise and fall for her. Cat Catalia Fisa lives disguised as a soothsayer in a traveling circus. She is perfectly content avoiding the danger and destiny the gods, and her hom- homicidal mother, have saddled her with. That is until Griffin, an ambitious warlord from the magic-deprived South, fixes her with his steely gaze and upsets her illusion of safety forever. Hot, but not if she can help it. Griffin knows Cat is the kingmaker, the woman who divines the truth through lies. He wants her as a powerful weapon for his newly conquered realm. Until he realizes he wants her for much more than her magic, Cat fights him at every turn. But Griffin's fairness, loyalty, and smoldering advances make him hard to resist, and leave her wondering if life really does have to be short and lived alone. Woohoo! Woohoo! Ooh. I didn't realize the synopsis spoiled you. That's、mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so yeah, let's let's get into it. Let's break down some of the characters and、yeah. try to walk you through the world building because it is a fantasy、Hefty. romance novel, so it is heavy on the world building. Yes. So this book takes place in a fantasy world where Greek gods and goddesses exist,、mm-hmm. but it's not ancient Greece. No,、it、they like. Interact with、yeah. humans. It's a fantasy world called Illyria, which is broken up into three smaller city slash kingdoms. That's、mm-hmm. not made super clear, but the kingdoms are Fisa, Sinta, and Tarva.、Mm-hmm. So in this world, there's two types of people. There's the Magoi, who are people with magic and、yep. descended from the gods, and then there's Hoi Poloi, which is normal people. Without、mm-hmm. magic, so Cat is a magoi and、yes. a rather powerful one at that because she. So it's revealed to us at the beginning that she is a soothsayer, right? But what actually, what she is actually doing is that she can tell when you're lying because anytime someone tells a lie, it searing pain burns her. Yeah, <laughs> which, okay. Also, like, oh, you gotta have selective hearing for that, honey. Like. What if she just hears a little white lie? Cause she works at a circus. Yeah, yeah. And in that circus, she has a group of friends, 
mm-hmm. um, all of whom are just like background characters, but they're all also McGoy or Majoy, however you pronounce yeah. it. And I was just like, okay, human lie detector, cool power. Mm-hmm. Did it have to be searing pain? Yeah, it just like adds on to her. So the so yes, um, she we are immediately right away we're told that she has a dark tragic past. Yes, I wonder what it is. And see, the thing is, it's never revealed that she's a Fison or a royal in the Fison line. Uh, in this whole entire book, it's very heavily implied, but it's like something yeah. you have to pick up on as a reader. So that's why I'm upset at the synopsis, because yeah. it gives it away immediately. It gives it away something that wasn't even revealed in the end of the book. Right. It's revealed in the next book. Which is wild, but we'll get further into that. Yes. Sorry, I'm chomping at the bit. I know, me too. There's just so much. Um, Okay. She's on the lam, because... Her mom's crazy, or yeah. not crazy, homicidal. Homicidal, but also because anyone who knows that she's the kingmaker, I like, meaning she can tell lies, like who's lying to you, which would obviously be useful in court, mm-hmm. will want to capture her for their own use, yep. which is where Griffin comes Griffin. in, our handsome <laughs> strapping warlord. Yes, Beta Sinta also is what he's referred to because he's... Second in line for the Sintan throne. Yes. So in this world, instead of kings and queens, they just do it by Greek rank or Greek mm-hmm. alphabet is what the ranks are. I just titled. think of wolves, to be quite honest. <laughs> so um, <laughs> like uh, the king or the leader would be called Alpha, whatever mm-hmm. the city is. So then Beta is what Griffin is. He's second in line. Yep. So his title is Beta Sinta. So he comes to the circus. And Kat's immediately horny uh-huh. and annoyed. Isn't that what she is the most rest of the novel? Of the time. Horny and annoyed. I mean, relatable. Yeah. I get it. But girl. Yeah. Maybe if you'd focused a little more, he wouldn't have been able to kidnap you so fucking easily. Right. Because apparently he's been like lurking for weeks. <laughs> and she's like highly trained. I'm like, how did he. Supposedly. Well, yeah, but we see it a lot in her, like, physical uh, yeah, aggression. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, how did he ca- sneak up on you like that? Because they're meant to be. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. And so uh, Beta Sinta, or Griffin, ties her up with a magical rope, <laughs> which sounds so silly to say out loud, but it's, it's some good tension. And then he essentially uh-huh. kidnaps her. Yep. Um. And says that she's going to be an addition to um, the team, the team, the yeah. beta team. And is that what like, it's called? Beta yeah, team. beta team. Yeah. So beta team is consist of Griffin, mm-hmm. his brother Carver, Carver, Flynn, uh huh, and Cato, Cato, Cato. So it's the little merry band of hot men. frat boys, mm-hmm. essentially, yeah. and cat frat boys that are also playful and respectful yeah and that's, i love those i men. really liked it because when the kidnapping scene happened and it's revealed that like it's not just griffin that's kidnapping her but him mm-hmm. and like three other dudes i was like oh no immediately every like my hackles was like up and i'm like oh they're gonna be crass they're gonna say something oh, rude but, but it no. never happened they're quite playful the entire time yeah. And they have this like brother sister dynamic I found very refreshing. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. No sexual harassment here. Nope. 
Oh, thank God. Well, we'll get to spanking. I don't think that. No. Yeah, we'll get there. spanking. <laughs> yes. So then, so that's like, I think that's the moment when I realized that this is fantasy romance instead mm-hmm. of just straight fantasy because um, I read straight fantasy before and at yeah. first reading this book, I was like, oh, I don't see how it's like that different because we get right. all of the introduction to the ca- cast of characters and we get a little bit of the rules of how the world's laid out. Mm-hmm. But then as soon as that magical rope got tied around her You're and like, the hijinks start happening, I was like, oh. oh, so this is what it's like. Yeah, that's the difference is like this is chock full of romance hijinks mm-hmm. there's so many yeah i love it and we'll get more into it but uh, other big characters that play let's see there's how do you pronounce her name egregia yeah egregia she's um griffin's older sister and alpha Cinta, so she's in charge of the realm and he also has two younger sisters, Jocasta and Kaya, who don't play too much of a role in this book. But as someone who's read the series, they play a, a heavier role in the next two. And there's also um, Kat's mom, who's um, Alpha Fisa. I'm, I forget. Andromeda yeah. is her name. Andromeda is her name. Yeah. And so she's ruthless. The evil queen. Yes. Evil Alpha, who is out to hunt Cat down because, mm-hmm. unbeknownst to Griffin and supposedly right. to the rest of the readers, but it's like not a hard thing to piece together. Piece together. She is the lost princess of Fisa, who is mm-hmm. next in line for the throne. But at like eight years old, she ran away because she was like tortured her whole life and mm-hmm. was just like used by her mom for her kingmaker magic and was forced yeah. to kill her siblings and mm-hmm. blah blah blah. And then she ran away. So now, obviously. Yeah. And she runs away pretty soon after her older sister, Eleni's death, Mm -hmm. um, who was the only sibling she had, like, an allyship and true friendship with. So that's the bone I have to pick with this series. Supposedly, right, in this world, Kat hates the court life and hates royal life so much because it's basically breeds cruelty. Yeah. Where everyone just wants to be alpha and those who are alpha wants to keep the throne mm-hmm. and then they teach their children to murder each other yeah in order to get closer to the title but that's just not sustainable right. like i get it but then just have one kid to succeed you if that's such a concern well maybe it's something you know where like maybe this is a myth and i just learned something incorrectly but you know when like a shark is pregnant and she has like and the shark has multiple embryos and they all like fight to the death until Mm. the shark is born it's like the strongest of the lot maybe Uh. it's something happening here where it's like you want to have multiple children to ensure that whoever's actually truly strongest both in like magic and will sure will succeed them yeah that's fair it just felt like a lot um i felt like some of the torture porn that was happening was only there so that cat is established as like traumatized like as a capital v victim and i'm like Mm -hmm. yes i get i get that like every time someone lies to you you burn up inside it's gonna Mm -hmm. hurt and it does feel like torture but if i was alpha fisa and i need this kid then I'm not going to go out of my way to hurt her more than she needs to be hurt. Because what if she fucking dies? Then I'm shit out of luck. Well, it's not like Andromeda has 
that inclination. She doesn't have any, think any empathy. So no, but this is entirely for her though. Like if you have a secret weapon, you're going to want to take care of it. Right. But she doesn't, she doesn't have that long thought. She's thinking, well, this is my favorite daughter, so I'm going to push her to her breaking point to show she's stronger than she thinks. Yeah, that's dumb. But it does not make sense to me. No, it doesn't make sense. I'm just saying that's the ground rules laid out, but it is quite confusing. It's like, if she's your favorite, wouldn't you want to protect her in some way? Or, yeah, or like, even, so the book is established that, like, she's evil. Yeah, Andromeda is evil. She just wants to keep her power and doesn't care about her children. So even if she doesn't, like, care about Cat as a daughter, like I said, if it's... Because, like, a kingmaker comes, like, every once, one in, like, 200 years or something. Yeah, it's very rare. So if you have that super rare weapon, right. don't accidentally kill it because you, like, want it to fight to the death with it, with its sister. Like, right. that's stupid. There's a lot of people... There's a lot of snake owners out there who won't feed their snake live rats because one of the rat bites the snake and it accidentally gets an oh. infection and dies. Yeah. Like, that's the concern here. Yeah, it is a bit odd because we learn that Kat has, was, like, caged for a lot of her life with, mm. like, barely any food to sustain herself. Yeah, and which is stupid. Yeah, and, like, her old, older brother, I think his name was, like, Otis uh-huh. or something Just like that. Just likes to torture her for fun, yeah, which, again, she, makes no sense. Right, and she didn't have healing powers then, so she... And she has healing powers now, so it's less of a danger to her. But as a kid, that's obviously a big danger. And then she's put into, like, a fighting arena with her sister, (laughs) Eleni, when Eleni's seven and... Or Eleni's nine and Kat's seven. seven. um, Which essentially results in both of them refusing to kill each other. And so Otis kills Eleni. Mm -hmm. And they all move up a rank. Right. Um, So, yeah. it, It doesn't make sense because... Cat's a huge commodity. Yeah. Yeah. That, like, literally, uh, Griffin, like, went to war, and then he's traveled across his whole entire realm slash country to to find her. her. Yeah. And she's been on the run this whole time because that's the exact reaction that any person Mm -hmm. vying for the royal seat would do. Yeah. And she's essentially been on the run for, like, around 10 years or more yeah, and then there's this weird background with the Oracle. I know we're throwing a lot at you, but this is how I felt the book. <laughs> this is what the book did to us because there's no exposition. It's just throws you in the deep end. And like you got like to figure baby. it out. Mm-hmm. So apparently like in this world, if you're not born with magic, you can earn it by doing some feats for the gods and yeah. hopefully impress them. And one of those things is to go see one of the gods oracle which cat did cat chose poseidon's oracle mm-hmm. and it deemed her worthy and it didn't eat her and just Yay. granted her power and poseidon's godfathership i think she poseidon was always her godfather because she was born with magic but she wanted to strengthen herself so that she can eventually um you know overtake her mom yeah that was not made super clear no so hmm. Yeah, that's the other thing I have with this book. It's just like a little bit of exposition would have been fine. Yeah, don't need it to be action, action, action all the time because then it comes like it makes things like this confusing. Where I'm like, well, what did she? What was the right. oracle thing for? You're bringing up several points that like were hitting me. Um, 
so I think first, I think Amanda Boucher was trying to do this thing where it's like we're thrown in right into the action because you're not supposed to know who Cat is, and mm-hmm. she wants to like you to piece it together throughout. But I think it's pretty clear by the first like five chapters. Oh, for sure. Um, and then second, Cat is just like in pain this whole entire novel. She barely gets any sort of rest, mm-hmm. and I think that's a bit overboard. And then three, you mentioned it's always action all the time and that's so true i was thinking literally right when i finished the book we jumped into this podcast and i was like wait a minute what's the beat by beat because eventually it all just bleeds together i'm like uh-huh. shit when did the giant happen <laughs> when did the stabbing happen the dragon i'm like oh god <laughs> yeah so we're it's gonna a lot. talk about the main points of their relationship because hey it's a romance podcast yes we'll sprinkle in the details that are important. yeah but honestly if you're reading this because you want to read a hot romance story world building isn't necessarily no. the most important thing in the world yeah so long story short cat is the lost princess of a realm and she's a hot commodity because she's a kingmaker not only that she's also just powerful as shit Yes. Which is one of the other things, too. It's just like it's so convenient that one of her powers to soak up other people's power. Yes. She can soak up other people's powers, which just makes her catch-all, essentially, uh-huh. given the right time. Yep. And she can heal. Yeah. She's... She can turn invisible. <laughs> She's godlike. Let's not forget the invisibility. Oh, yes. And then... And then she can turn invisible and only Griffin is kind of essentially made for her is what the novel tries to set up. Yeah. Um, he very wants her for his kingdom and he's very um, grumbly, I yep. would say, mm-hmm. uh, but mm-hmm. soft, Ugh. a soft warlord, if you will. <laughs> Please. Um, and a love story blooms between them and everything else is kind of just adding background. <laughs> backgrounds, essentially. Yeah. Um, the invisibility thing, so, so fun because she just uses it whenever she's embarrassed Mm -hmm. and honestly, girl, same. Yeah. She just turns invisible whenever she's like slightly inconvenienced. I love that. In any way. You know, I think that's what the book does really well is like, yes, Kat's traumatized. And so sometimes she's wise, wiser than her years, but then she, then author includes these things like cat turning invisible because she's embarrassed or her her, like lashing out uh when people show her affection it's like it reads young and it's a good reminder that like cat is young like i don't think we're given an age but kim and i are approximating like early 20s whereas griffin might be like later 20s early 30s Mm -hmm. um and i think she does a really good job of showing their maturity levels and how they have different like experiences life experiences yep so let's talk about the one of the first scenes that really really developed their relationship yeah the river the river oh, it feels like forever ago <laughs> this book gets <laughs> so on, complex we've been on a journey with them truly yeah so they're one they're like on horseback it's hot it's like you know the deserty type right it's hot as in weather yeah. <laughs> Kat's not having a great time. She's wearing her oh so tight leather pants. Oh no. Not her leather pants. And and she's like, I fucking need to bathe. I don't care that you kidnapped me. I need water. Yeah, and she knows she stinks because when she turns invisible earlier, 
Griffin catches her because he's able to approximate where she is because <laughs> of her sense. stink. So she's she's really due Girl, for a if bath. a warlord tells you you smell. Oh, jeez. The sh- <laughs> Oh, my God. I could never. I would never recover. No, I would just be like, take me out. <laughs> yeah. Kill me right here. I'm right. not going with you. <laughs> okay, so they go into this river. And she's like, all right, untie me. So I can bathe, get in there. And he's like, not a chance in hell. We're going in this river together. Yeah. Bound by this magical rope. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) he just strips naked and she screams and turns invisible. (laughs) Love it. Which then causes him to turn invisible. The author really thought about this invisibility thing because conveniently, if Cat turns invisible, everything attached to her person Mm-hmm. also becomes invisible right so no floating close one of my notes here they're going in the river they're bathing together and that was when she notices he smells really good and her exact description of his scent is like citrus and sunshine oh my god <gasps> and she's my note, already done for him my note at this point said girl you're down so fucking bad <laughs> smells like citrus and sunshine and i'm like are you fucking kidding me a tall, solid mass of a warlord also smells good. A, ge- a gentle kidnapper. Yeah. I. I. Is he the perfect man, Kim? I. I'm not. I'm just gonna say I'm not gonna not go. Yeah. Like the kidnapper thing throws me off a bit. But, but then, but then you know it's for the good of his family. <laughs> Honestly, if he showed up right now, I would be like, yeah, fuck mm. my job, fuck my classes. Let's go. Sorry baby. to the podcast. It'd just be me being like, Kim, I don't know how to edit. Who do I give these microphones back to? <sighs> but alas, not going to happen. Anyhow, so he clearly is attracted to her this whole time. Oh but, my God. And she is too, but she's like very angsty, very much like, oh, he, he kidnapped me, and I'm mad about it. Right. So I, I'm not attracted to him. It's just that I notice his inky black hair and his yeah, long his eyelashes muscles. and his <laughs> giant barrel chest. Yeah. And his citrus sunshine smell. And Whereas, like, like, bitch. Griffin's just, like, staring at her ass all day. In that tight letter from the pants. Yeah, he's just, like, I'm not trying to tamp this down. He's, like, all in real quick yeah so essentially they're trying to travel back to the like capital i guess of Of Sinta, sinta uh where the rest of griffin's family is so that they can integrate cat into their like royal life and get this kingmaker business started but it takes a very long time to get there at least half of the book if not more because they keep going into road roadblocks um, which just further Kat and Griffin's relationship as they learn to trust each other and start seeing each other as equals. Through their many trials of giants and dragons and... And, and an evil brother, So Otis. the thing with an emotionally stunted heroine and arguably an emotionally stunted hero is that you just have to keep throwing them in life-threatening situations for them to get over themselves and realize that they have feelings for each other. Well, I question you. Do you think Griffin's emotionally stunted? I think at first. 
Mm. I think not around his family, but like in a relationship situation. I see. Perhaps. Okay. Because like we had the indication like before Cat, he also never like. He's a fuck boy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But then Cat changed him. Everything. <laughs> God he saw damn her. it. And everything fell into place. When when is Poseidon okay. or any Greek god for that matter gonna gift me a warlord? What yeah, have what I been hell? doing wrong with my life? Cat's just like tortured her whole life, and then Poseidon's like, "Okay, well, I made you a man, so He's be happy." Perfect, and <laughs> you can't hurt him with your crazy ass magic. So You're welcome. Have good. fun. Yeah. So much so that when she didn't like this, I'm jumping ahead here, but I just have to say it mm-hmm. later on when she doesn't want to have sex with him because she not because she doesn't want to have sex with him, but because she's so like tortured and it's like, I can't do this because he doesn't know who the like what a monster yeah. I actually am. Poseidon interceded oh and was like, why have are, sex. Why are have you, sex. Why are you rejecting my gift? He <laughs> was like, this man is your gift and how you better have sex with dare him are you and i was like how many goats do i have to sacrifice <laughs> i'll do it just give me a number just when i, I go to sleep tonight literally someone hop into my dream prophetically and just like i need you to burn 15 goats blah 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 whatever i'll do it and honestly it feels a little silly to have like gods just like show me like hey hey um have sex with him because yeah. I oh. gave him to you? Yeah, I literally gave him to you. How dare you reject him? Yeah. Or like um, Kat's best friend, Selena, is just like fucking, fucking Hades. Hades. Also, uh, like, what the hell? It's so hard to see other people living my dreams. Yeah. What have Kim and I done wrong? Okay. <laughs> we transported to a different world where we just have sex with gods or sex with perfect men. Oh, my God. <laughs> literally. Um, yeah, it seems a bit silly though, but I think from my memory of the second and third books, which I read so long ago now, probably like four years ago, it just is heavily leaned into, um, it just becomes part of the, good, part of the, you know, world. Yeah. So then the Greek gods, it gets a little bit, um, deus ex machina Mm -hmm. when they're like in trouble and she like is almost to the brink of death and she'll be like poseidon help help me and he does he just loves her he's like that's my goddaughter she walked so percy jackson could could run run. okay why i just have to say why am i giving poseidon this weird voice (laughs) that's my goddaughter (laughs) like what am i doing um yeah he's obsessed with her in a in a fatherly figure way and so is Zeus and supposedly Hades. Hades. So yeah, like, why are they all the big her? three? Are like, oh, they're like, we gotta, we gotta protect this one angsty twenty something years old. Yeah. So she gets like a cerebrus. Is that how you Severus? Severus. <laughs> Whoop. Oh. The um, three headed dog. Yes. He. She gets like a little charm. Charm of okay. him that she uses to fight against a dragon sent by her mom, um, and then when she's falling off the dragon she's about to land into a lake and die so then she prays to poseidon who like reaches his hand out shoots up from the lake yeah to gently cradle her i got you you're safe with me um and then later in the book when griffin is in mortal danger and she's like healing him zeus intervenes and like 
a clap of thunder. I don't know what really happened with that clap of thunder. Hey, girl. But he was there. Zeus was there, and he said, you go, girl. You go, You girl. heal him. You heal him. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Oh, we're sorry. This is disjointed, but this... Yeah, I'm drinking There's wine just tonight. There's really no linear way to talk about this plot. Yeah, it's just action over action, and then eventually Kat, Griffin, and the rest of Beta Teen... Make it to make Cinta. it okay. So before we to let's circle back. We've talked about we've hinted at our love for Griffin. Mm-hmm. Let's just go ahead and talk about him. Let's break him down as a character. Yes. Uh, so not surprisingly, hot. Yeah, that's a prerequisite. Prerequisite, but like in a burly, mm-hmm. I mean, one warlord, look can kill you, right? Kind of way. Yeah, dark hair. Mm-hmm. Long, sultry eyelashes. Yeah, Kat mentions his hair grows out a little, so it makes him look more warlord than like royal. And I'm like, don't tell me that, Cat. Don't Kat. tell me that, Cat. Also, stop. stop acting like you're not attracted to him. You've been horny this whole time. Yes. The horniness has no bounds in this book. <laughs> like, oh, really? <laughs> Possibly the worst time for me to be reading this book. Oh, no. Yeah, so he's super hot and he puts his family first in everything and has like an extremely fair outlook so he doesn't understand much like kim this idea of like putting kids together he's like why can't we just all get along and foster a really strong relationship so you have a literal in ingrown yeah. army. support system yes which definitely works for him and his family um and he's like a really great political figure too. So yeah, very politically Intel- forward yes, and intelligent. intelligent. Yeah. So you like you think warlord, and you're like, oh, rape and conquer and pillage. But no, no, he had, he strategizes. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, sometimes be like sometimes conquering kingdoms means killing. battling and killing. But he doesn't do it just because. Right. And sometimes he's blinded by his sense of fairness, where because he doesn't understand other people's animosity, that puts him in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why Kat's there to kind of teach him like, OK, well, if these are your values, these are the values you're going up against. So you have to think smarter and harder than them in order for you to eventually espouse these values to like more than just your tribe or mm-hmm. Cinta. Um, yes. And one very important note. Crooked mm. grin. Crooked grin? I didn't notice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like any any good romance hero worth his salt, he can't have a straight smile. Okay, what the hell does that even mean, Kim? Because I read this crooked grin shit, and I'm always like, so he, he's like, hey. <laughs> That's like, <laughs> I think of like some what? hillbilly dude with like no, something no. in his mouth and he's only a, turning up one side. I think it's a fancy way to describe a smirk. It's just a smirk. What ab- What about when he's feeling so much he can't help but smile widely with so much laughter and joy and love? That's what I want. I think that's just a grin. <laughs> it's just a grin. But maybe he's doing it. I want a few sidedly. Yeah. Maybe it's just crooked because his face isn't symmetrical because of battles. Hot. Hot. Oh yeah, the the hawkish nose. Mm-hmm. The I'm picturing him with a little scar on the eyebrow that was not stated. It's just it, peppered no, in by my brain. It was stated. <gasps> oh. Yeah. Are you sure? I'm sure because when Cat heals him and he's like, 
oh, all yes. my scars are gone. And she's like, I'm going to miss the one on his eyebrow. You're right. Yes. See, she's so horny. Mm-hmm. Like, bro, you're on the brink of death. And, and you're like, thinking about his eyebrows. She's like, but his scars that make him look sexy. Girl, give him another one. It's fine. Yeah. That's something to note, too. What is a hawkish nose? Does it just mean it's been broken? Yeah. Like, like bump what? in the middle. Aquiline, if you will. Oh, my God. These, <laughs> I just, I've always happened upon these descriptions. All you romance readers know there's a crooked grin uh-huh. or a hawkish nose. Uh-huh. I'm just like, why? How did that get popularized? You know, w- one person did it. And the other romance author who was, like, reading it was like, you know what? I'm going to do that, too. You know what? Every single exploded. man who has stolen my heart doesn't grin straight. Yeah. Give us a crooked grin in or, real life. Or you know, give Kim, us death. Yeah. Kim has had one. Or, ooh, sorry. <laughs> Whoa. Kim has experienced crooked grins before, and I need a crooked grin in my life. Whoa. Hey, now. I'm just, you just said that all the people you've, who've stolen your heart have had crooked grins, right? I meant like hypothetically. Oh, I thought you were talking about your real life. No, no. Oh. I mean, you've seen some of them. I haven't seen their grins, but you're right. Give us grins. Give us crooked grinned men. Is it time? Yes. For Sim or Psycho? Yes, it is. Because you know what? We're both simping hard over him. Yeah. Okay. But it's time to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, so Psycho points. Kidnaps his love I interest. Was, I was about to say, literally kidnapped her. <laughs> like, a very nice kidnapper, but that's like saying, you know, right. there's a nice slave owner. Like, that's not. It ain't. It's not a thing. It doesn't exist. Yeah, so Kidnaps is uh, pretty high on the psycho, I would say. Uh, second to that on my list is a murder. But as we prefaced mm. before, never just because. Right. In in the world of, you know, Game of Thrones-esque, mm-hmm. killed or be conquered, or conquer or be conquered type world. Yeah. You gotta. And he's even matched. I mean, Kat yeah. killed so many people. <laughs> so... It's fine. In my book, the the killing because it's war. Yes, um, and then pretty big jealousy streak. Oh yeah, like even though he constantly all these like Carter, Cato, and Flynn are like basically like her brothers, and they were on the road for at least a week, and they're all very loyal to him and would all die for him, and he knows this to be a truth because Cat didn't burn when they were like, yeah, we love Griffin. It's proven. So. Um, but when, after he's, like, really into her and, like, kisses her after that, like, those three guys cannot be in Kat's vicinity without him being like, what are you doing? Get away. (laughs) It's like, chill out, man. Like, she has nightmares. Like, they have to comfort her. (laughs) Like, come on, dude. Or that he's, like, someone's just giving her, like, a treat. And he's like, hey. That's suspicious. <laughs> like, okay. This warlord vibe. You're, that's happening. The petty warlord. This warlord voice. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Um, okay, so in the sim category, I said softy high key. Mm-hmm. Because he really is. Like, around the people he loves. Oh, my God. Big mush ball. Big mush. Like, when we when we finally arrived to Sinta and he yes. sees all of his sisters again, he, he made Kaya a little crown. Because yes. she's a she's a princess. Now. They like pile on him and they're hugging him, and his like main 
goal isn't to conquer it's to keep his family safe mm-hmm. and that's like over like it's stated over and over and over again mm-hmm. yeah huge softy is basically falling at cat's feet oh, by yes. the end he acts like he's not but like he's like i will do anything yeah but, but um, don't hold me. and then there's a really cute part where they like finally arrive at a town on their journey mm-hmm. and it's like a little market and they're oh. like, using the time to like buy stuff yeah and he purposely bought the soap mm-hmm. that she likes and the um the food that she likes and then at instanta she like made a sarcastic comment about wanting like buttered steak and like crispy potatoes and then when they finally arrive at Sinta, that was the first oh, no. royal dinner they had was the exact meal that she sarcastically described yes. and i was like oh my god pain (laughs) yeah and okay back to the soap thing i know that's weird to talk about but cat also does the same thing where at the end she buys soap that smells like griffin i was like hello simps simps it smells like you like i love you and she's like no (laughs) but i love you too so my final verdict Mm. is simp borderline yes I was about to say simp with a dash of psycho. Yeah. A healthy dose. Yeah. Gotta keep him in, in line. He can't just be falling at her feet constantly. Right. He's a warlord. He's everyone. a warlord. Hello. Blood has to be shed. Yes. Talking about shedding blood. Ooh, that sounds weird. Cat kills so many people. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, girl. Are you good? Like, she's constantly... <laughs> Like, she is constantly killing people or in a tremendous amount of pain. And it isn't until really, like, the latter third of the book where she, like, has softer moments where she's, like, bonding with the guys or Griffin sisters or, like, having sex. It's not until then. And it's, like, that whole entire time she's just, like, I'm in pain. I constantly fight. And I can't open myself up because I know people will die. Like, oh my god, she has to get over yourself. She needs a big hug and like a little pat on the head, being like, It's cool. It's it show it says a lot about the two of us when your reaction is just like, I wanna pat her head and tell her it's fine and I'm just like, get the fuck over yourself. (laughs) I just know she's never been shown love except for her sister who died and her dog who died. But like, hey, you had a whole family with Harry Potter. Okay. He wasn't hugged until he was eleven years old. Yeah. And the thing is, she had this whole family in the circus, so she knows she can open herself up and right. still be safe. Right. But she's so reticent with this group, I guess, because they're more in the, more, like, yeah, in know. stardom, I guess. There's more eyes on them. But it does it just, get a it bit It gets to much. the point where I'm just like, okay. Yeah. When it's, it's like, when it's 300 you, pages in and she's still making the same argument, I'm like, You killed oh a fucking God. dragon. Everybody lived. Like, like things are on the up and up. Just accept that you have people who love you. Love you, yeah. Um. So we alluded to this, but let's get in. Like, let's talk about it more. Where so much of their relationship is just developed through hijinks. Yes. So after the lake and fighting, after the lake where they bathe together, it's like it's like becomes a thing. Like, Kat really likes water because her godfather is Poseidon, so mm-hmm. then every time there's, like, an opportunity to bathe, like, Griffin will let her, but then, yeah. you know, they're attached by a rope. And they're naked. They're naked. 
and they've learned a lot. Mm-hmm. And the other three guys are just there. Bear. Oh my god, <laughs> it's so embarrassing. So there is one moment where Car, where Cat was like fighting with Carver, and she was like, "What? Like, what do you want?" And Carver's, just, I don't, I don't know. It's just like you and Griffin, like take a lot of long baths together. Yeah. And there's like another scene where like doesn't he um they're like wrestling or something and he pins her to the ground. Yeah. And, and they're then like they just uh, like give each other the eyes. Basically while- any classic flirting moment <sighs> they had. So then the classic like, oh they're fighting or they're they're like doing a thing, they both fell and one of them ends up on top of yeah. the other. It happens and Beta Sinta pins her to mm-hmm. the ground. Doesn't he like grind into her? Uh-huh. And she was like <laughs> like Hello. fully aroused yeah and i thought jenny and i both thought that the horrible. that the three of them the three of the other soldiers were like you know standing watch going yeah. to pee being anywhere else not but five feet away they're across from the fire pretending like they don't see their leader slash brother dry humping dry humping this girl like, Kim had read this before me, and I was like, surely not. Like, surely she's over-exaggerating. But no, I got to it, and I was like, oh, really you were right. right there. They're really right there watching them get it on. I feel the worst for Carver, because if I just have to watch my older brother yeah. flirt with this girl, so, like, they just fight in a very, like, sexual tension, you yes. can cut it with a knife kind of way, Ugh. I would just... I would like, off myself. Away. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to gallop ahead and make sure things are safe. Yeah, I'm going to be away from here. See you in three days. Fuck all of you. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, the other guys, like, play flirt with her, which only brings out Griffin's it's jealousy so even more. funny. Yeah. And I think the most, like, arguments or hijinks they get into is when they have to face someone to fight. And Kat's like, put me in, coach. Yeah. And he's like, no, <laughs> I want to protect you. And you're great. And, and you're like, hot. I have so much power. She's like, just let me do this. Yeah. She's so much stronger than them. Like, magically speaking. Magically speaking, when she has um, magic and she's absorbed magic, she can just like, yeah, when like they fell the dragon, 60 guys. When they fought the dragon, she absorbed the dragon breath. Right. So then later in the novel, she just, like, literally... Melts a legion. Yeah, melts, like, 60 men with just her, her breath. Like, I'm like, she is Dracarys at right. this point. So I'm like, hello, hello. put her in. Let so her in. That's where you see a lot of tension at first. Yeah. It's like, you kidnapped me, and now you won't let me fight. I'm not this helpless damsel in distress, which I liked because it's, it yeah. is putting um, more agency into her, whereas a kid she couldn't do anything and now right. you see she's really take charge and protects herself and has that sort of um what is it called self-preservation instinct yeah well i don't know about self-preservation um I, not maybe agency? self-preservation i i mentioned agency <laughs> but anyways she's strong as hell yeah and that's awesome to see i just have a list of these like running oh, like one bed there's only one bed adjacent trope it's not exactly there's only one bed but they do have to sleep together all the time because they are attached by the rope and there's a line in there that says 
I can't keep waking up every morning with my mm-hmm. nose pressed against Beta Sinta's chest. And I was like, oh, can't you? Yeah, because then when she has her own bed, guess what? Nightmares. Nightmares. Night terrors. And she wakes up literally howling. Yeah. And the other guys have to stroke her hair and calm her down, which is really cute. Really cute. But she eventually goes back to the adjacent one bed trope because um, Kat then has to sleep in Griffin's bed (sighs) with his scent in order to calm down. I just think there's something magical in the yearning where you haven't confessed your feelings to each other, but you're confined in such an intimate way because like, when are you more vulnerable if not when you're asleep? And you're like, oh, is it going to happen now? And when you wake up with your nose pressed to his citrus sunshine chest, (laughs) excuse me, it hurts. It hurts to see other people live my dream. What are the other moments you have? The other thing is... One of them always has to take care of the other in an yeah. intoxicated state. So mm-hmm. <laughs> there's th- this point where they enter the city and they're like, you know, frolicking, having okay. a fun time. Cat accidentally saps the magic. It's like the magic's equivalent of like cocaine. Yeah. So she gets really fucking high. Yeah. Jumping off walls. And then all of her, like, guards are taken down. She's, like, a happy, bubbly, like, you know, normal Mm -hmm. 20-something-year-old. Yeah. Who is kind of endangering herself because she doesn't know what's up or down because she's high as shit. So then Griffin has to follow her Mm -hmm. in, like, a grumbly, angry way. And she wants to go to the bathhouse. And then he gets naked. And Griffin's just like, God damn. Like, yeah. you're hot and you're naked, but you're obviously under the influence. I can't do anything. Yeah. And so she's just literally swimming naked in a pool, and he's, like, staring at her. <laughs> and she's obviously super embarrassed by the end, but I'm just like, wow. 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 <laughs> Love to see it. <sighs> yeah, I like that trope just because, like, again, it's really good for when one of the characters has a lot of emotional walls built up. And, like, inebriation or, like, you know, accidental Mm -hmm. drug use (laughs) lowers that emotional wall a little bit. And they can be, like, a little bit more vulnerable and honest about, I don't know, how hot they find their love interest. And then the love interest has to, like, take care of them a little bit. It's just super tender. It's, like, the first time Cat's walls are, like, completely down. Which I think is very important for their relationship because she normally is has her walls so high and mm-hmm. it's able to be like okay so she can be fun and she can be loving but there must be something that's keeping her from showing this emotion to other people yeah uh and then lastly the i'm not gonna call you by your real name until you're in imminent danger trope so she calls him Beta Sinta the whole time. Oh, wow. And then it wasn't until his life was threatened by the dragon that she was like, Griffin! Yeah. Wow, I didn't even pick up on that. That shit's I mean, good. I know she called him Beta Sinta, and he was like, my name's Griffin. And she's like, okay, Beta Sinta. Ooh, hate you. You kidnapped me. But yeah, yeah, I didn't pick up on that change. Yeah, again, for me, it's that like intimacy thing of like, oh, we're like, pretending we hate each other and we're calling each other by like either our last name or like you know for her it's his rank and then like the intimacy of using somebody's like given name mm-hmm. right like it's oh 
That's good. Yeah, yeah. don't say my name in a conversation. I will have an aneurysm. <laughs> like it's too mm. it's too much. Yeah. I'm just looking through my notes right now. And one thing that I have written down over and over again is just like good foreshadowing because there's a lot of like what you think is metaphors here or like mm-hmm. just a like a sly mention of like a Greek god or figure that will play a part in the second and third books. And when I I remember reading those second and third books and being like, whoa, this shit is like so off. Like I did not see this coming at all. Mm -hmm. And reading this back and being like, knowing the transformations Kat goes through and the people she meets, I was like, oh, like that was like intentional. Ah. And it's like well planned out. Like I won't say what it is because then you'll catch on. Yeah. Um, But there's this like continuous metaphor that Amanda Boucher uses when Griffin and Kat are kissing. And I was like, surely that's just like nothing. And then it, it's it only comes to fruition in the third book. Oh. So I was just like pleasantly. I appreciate sh- that because it shows planning. Yeah, it shows planning. So I was pleasant pleasantly surprised because I did not pick up on that first read. Um, but second go around, I'm like, look at you! Like <laughs> this was all like planned out mm-hmm. and was really like thoughtful. Yeah, and not only is her foreshadowing really good. Uh, her way of ratcheting up the tension between yes. Griffin and Kat. It's so good. Oh my god. It is the most torturous reading experience because I wanted these two to just get over themselves and fuck each other already yeah. because they're obviously so desperate for it. And I give I gave Kim false intel, by the way. I was like, oh I'm pretty sure Havan's like halfway through the book. No. No. It's like 75%. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they almost, almost oh my God. sleeping with each other. Like, he's gotten as far as, like, his fingers being in her. And she's like, wait, no, I can't do this, even though I really want to. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, what? Just do it. You really want to. Right. And then it's like a self-hatred thing. I'm like, oh, he doesn't know that I'm his enemy. Like, I'm Benefissa. So... Like, he'll get be disgusted once he's fine now. I can't do this. Right. Or, like, this fear, like, if we do this and then we have kids and we get married, oh, like, right, right, right. you'll be in mortal danger. Yeah. It's like, okay, but, so like, So then she keeps stopping him and I'm just like, oh, I'm going to die. Like, I'm experiencing blue balls right now, let alone Griffin. Yeah. And, okay, there's a note I wrote on page 213. I said... Are his teeth okay? He keeps <laughs> clenching and grinding. I'm like seriously concerned for this man. Like that was halfway through the book. And this is like a 400 page book. So who knows how much clenching and grinding he did that I didn't pick up on. Oh man. Because like, he's guy. so frustrated by cat. Yeah. It's like poor, this poor guy's teeth are just being like, what is it called? Grinded to the quip. Like they're gone. Mm. Well, let's hope Teleria has good dentists. I'm sure I, they do. I don't know. Uh, so even though they didn't have sex until like 75% into the book, it's still super hot. Mm-hmm. And I think it's time we talk about, what did they call it? A segment in which we look at the sex or sex adjacent scenes and dissect Please. the diction the syntax anything that works anything that didn't yes. so let's go let's go which one do you want to talk about first oh you pick so let's start 
with when they first have sex for the first when they first have sex for the, when they have sex for the first time it's on chapter 29 and there's a couple chapter breaks it's like oh it's mm-hmm. a long chapter y'all and it's like around do it's around like page 360 for me i think yes because of the magical come oh yes okay let's do it let's go so the setup for the scene is uh, a couple chapters back, Griffin was mortally wounded and Cat stole healer magic. As you do. As you do. And she healed him, but she also poured her life force into yeah, him. Yeah, she went a little too far. She went overboard and she's like, di- she was dying. It's basically all of her energy put into him like including her magic and like so she's like a husk of a human being yes and he can't give magic back because of his like because he's not magical he's not magical he doesn't have that power um so instead they've been like binding blood together yeah it's like a primitive form it really stressed me out as a future healthcare professional Uh um so what they've been doing is like his so essentially her life force is in him so he was like oh i need to give you blood so he slices his wrist and then slices her (laughs) wrist and then bind their hand together and just transfuse blood which don't do that don't do that ever i mean i I know you wouldn't, but I just need to say it. If you're in a hypothetical fantasy world, do not do this. And do not do this in our real world either. It stresses me the fuck out. First of all, because open wounds, bacteria all over the place, Mm -hmm. infection abound. Second of all, you have no idea what your blood type is. Like, it's just... Yeah. It's not kosher. Wild stuff. And then... And it doesn't do her a lot of good. Like, it helps, but they have to keep doing it. Yes. Which, you know... And Kat eventually tells him to stop because um, her blood can be tracked. And so the more she bleeds, the more danger there is that her mom is going to find them. Um, So they start exchanging saliva (laughs) is what it's called. I don't know what page, but I remember writing that down and being like, that's disgusting. Just Um, call it kissing you weirdos. Yeah. So they like are making out all the time. Yeah. And he jokingly, I think he was like, "Uh like, right. Giving you my life force. And it's not helping. And then Um, when they finally, finally fuck. Yeah. The cum magic heals her. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. I mean, I've joked about if I don't have sex right now, I will die. But this is taking it to a, a literal <laughs> extent. Yeah. Here, I'm going to read it out. Uh, for anyone who has the book, it's page 361 on the mass market edition. And, um, here goes it's after he ejaculates in her says i stroke his midnight hair completely at ease for the first time in my life i smile too until a strange invigorating sensation sweeps through me not an invigorating sensation i know griffin's liquid warmth (laughs) doesn't stop at my core no 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 (laughs) no it spreads to my limbs my head, my fingers and toes. Excuse me? I know. I'm like, okay. 
I take a like deep. I've read it before, but this is still <laughs> just so horrifying. It's worse when you're reading it out loud. Yeah. I take a deep, surprised breath and feel like myself for the first time since Ios, which is the town she lost her life force in. You fixed me, I said, with laughing. Parentheses. With your cum. With your cum. And then he says that I knew we should have been doing this for days. Oh, fuck Ugh. off. The one and only time I disliked Griffin. Yeah. Right here. I was like, magical cum. Magical cum. She really did it. She really went there, Amanda she Boucher. Said, she said, fuck or die, bitches. Mm-hmm. said, I'm going to hit y'all with something so preposterous. <laughs> It makes the whole entire book even better. So then, of course, they have to keep doing it yeah. in order for her to... Right. And she's, like, fixed after the first time. But now it's, like, no going back. Now it's just, like, a joke. Yeah. Um, but before that, before the magical come, it is her first time. And I do appreciate that there is an adequate amount of foreplay being depicted. Yes. There's a note in here that said, Yas, oral sex. Mm-hmm. And he's quite good at it. Yeah. Like, he brought her to orgasm several times before trying to penetrate her. Yes. Which, way to go. Way to go, Griffin. And they also, like, go slowly, which I think is really smart. Yes. Um, so he, like, slowly exhales when he's putting inside her. And he slides forward, pushing gradually inside. His thickness stretches Cat with an uncomfortable pressure. And he stops when she starts to, like, hurt. hurt. And, like, lets her feel comfortable again and then goes. And then doesn't um, actually start, you know, like, thrusting or anything until Kat's the one to, like, instigate it to, like, mm-hmm. make sure she's comfortable. I thought that was great. I thought that was great, too. It's, it's a fun. really good depiction of what a good first time should be like, which yes. is both partners are enthusiastic and consenting. Mm-hmm. And, and listening. Yeah, and you're listening. You're aware of each other's body language. Love it. Yeah. What I didn't love... Yeah. Was him calling it claiming her. Yeah. That's oh. a little psycho. Yeah. That psycho points. I am telling you, it's like right on the border of simp and then just if he tips it a little bit yeah. more, it's in psycho territory. Good thing he's like mentally well. Yeah. You know? And also I'm pretty sure I o- <laughs> the only note I wrote was nerve endings, page three hundred fifty seven. Um so, uh, no, in addition to that, I have nub frowny face. Oh, yeah. So her clitoris is not called a clit or a clitoris. It's called a nub <laughs> or nerve endings. Um, sometimes her her entire vagina is referred to as her part core. Her core or her which, sex. And I'm like, hello, which part? He's like, he's pressing at my core. I'm like, that could be anywhere. <laughs> like, I don't know what you mean. Your core could be your abs, dude. Yeah. I mean, you said he was hung like a oh horse. We don't know. Wait, why am I... Okay, this unearthed <laughs> a deep memory of a TikTok. Oh, my where God. This, where this husband and wife were trying to get pregnant, <gasps> but they didn't have comprehensive sex ed. So he was coming... Yes! In her belly button! In her belly button! This was a registered nurse telling the story of, like, the worst, you know, yeah. the weirdest patient encounter and on TikTok. And, yeah. It was this couple. And so that's why we need clear language because actual people in actual real life. I refuse to believe that was true. For like, my sanity. I don't know why she would be lying, obviously. Right. But for my sanity, I refuse to believe. That a married couple thinks you can get pregnant by ejaculating into a belly button. Correct. 
Well, if it is true, a good clear example of why we need uh, explicit language Mm -hmm. and not euphemisms over euphemisms yes and also it decreases the shame around it right like why should you be uncomfortable talking to your gynecologist about what's going on or like in a prostate exam Mm -hmm. please uh, not my place to tell you how to parent your children but i just like as you know a healthcare student yeah really advocate for teaching kids correct anatomical anatomy early Mm -hmm. so that they have the language to then express to you like if something were to go wrong yeah and the thing is this book doesn't even give language at all Mm -hmm. to griffin's like penis they don't call it a penis or yeah a dick there's a a lot of shaft there's shaft there's erection there's warmth i'm like what okay okay like that the cat talks about how warm he is all over (laughs) yeah or it's just like he pushes against me mm-hmm. and it's like implied right, right? and yeah. so it's a lot of like um, it's, it is super vague language yeah like the se- it's like a, again it was one of those weird things where like explicit stuff is happening and yet and yet so vague yeah and it's quite odd because it's like oh i'm going to read about oral sex and him going down on her and vice versa but i'll never see the word clitoris or clit in this book at all right I'm like sure part of it's the world building but also it's a fantasy world so who's yeah. to say that you couldn't have just said the gods fuck rules right fuck like rules. if you're gonna have this fantasy world like they're like let apply them with the or yeah. supply them with the language right and they have a brief like sh- they have a conversation about, you know, she's scared of having kids because it means, like, you know, endangering them. They have to be on the run. So he was like, oh, I can always pull out or, like, there are sheaths. And I was like, oh, so, like, there is an idea of a condom. Yeah. And he's like, there's medicinal herbs. So maybe something, like, akin to the pill or, like. So, like, you have methods. an understanding of how it works, but just, like, no language. Right. Okay. A bit odd. And then one last thing to pick like one last bone that i have um they jokingly talk about spanking a lot a lot do they ever spank not until the second book i started i started reading the second book. okay because i like was like i vividly remember spanking happening here's the thing my note here said if there's no actual spanking comma i'm gonna be mad and guess what guys i was mad Mm -hmm. i was mad rightfully so my God, so many. So, so it many started as like a spanks. joke because she's so like argumentative, and the guys are like, "Oh my God!" And like they teach her how to sword fight better. So then, Carver, I think, was the one that yep. did it. It was just like, "Oh, like I can smack your ass at sword play," mm-hmm. and then he started doing it. And then Griffin, being Griffin, was like, "Don't, don't touch her ass." <laughs> Like, don't even have that's an idea. my ass don't mm. even have an idea of her ass just simply don't perceive my my girlfriend yeah who is not my girlfriend <laughs> yeah i just love her <laughs> and yeah then, so and then carver griffin, spanks her throughout the book yeah and then griffin just kind of like takes it over mm-hmm. and threaten her with spankings because she yeah. keeps infuriating him and i'm like okay then do it yeah, and it's never done sexually. I think the only one time was, like, when he hauls her over mm-hmm. his shoulder. And just, like, and smacked s- it once. It. But, like, it's not, like, sexual spanking. And I'm like, hello. Stop teasing cannot, us. You cannot do this to the poor readers. 
You you show us. You, you show us a delectable us meal after teasing us for yeah three hundred something pages. It's like a meal that's just out of reach, <laughs> and we're so hungry. Just just give give, give us me the spanks. <laughs> give us the spanking. Like this, it's come to the point where I was so desperate to see it come to fruition that I last night barged into Jenny's room was like, "Give me the second book." You're like, "Give it to me." It's like, okay. There's spanking in that one. Yeah, there is. And I was like, hello. Is it early on? Yeah, it's like the first Ooh. two chapters. Immediate gratification. But I'm, is it? But it's not, because it's, well, it's in a separate book. Yes, but Amanda knew what she was doing. Yeah. She was like, I planted that seed, and now they will reap the benefits. Yeah, so that leads me to like my final criticism of this book, is yeah. just there's no ending. Strange ending, for sure. I hated it. Yeah, because the big thing that happens at the very end is that Kat is stabbed by, like, an old... Griffin's crazy ex-girlfriend, yes. which is not a trope that I enjoy. Yeah. And, like, we learned previously that, like, Griffin and her were in, like, a quasi-committed relationship where they were together every night. They but were Griffin's like, just nah. fucking. He's like, I never made any promises. We were just fuck buddies. Um, but Daphne's like in love with him and will and do anything. Physically threatening Kat. Yeah, throughout the book. And Kat, after a hard day's work of being the kingmaker after this big banquet, um, and she's obviously in a lot of pain and she's super weak because she's been hearing lies all night. Uh, she goes to the baths to like strengthen herself because as we mentioned, she gets a lot of strength from the water. And she's stabbed by Daphne. Um, and you know, Kat does the great thing. Take, it said tears oh. the knife out, which I was like, oh, oh we'll and get then, to that. Keep going. And then gets her in the eye yeah, and kills throws Daphne. it back and like, yeah, hits her um, between the eye. But essentially she's like dying. She's healed, et cetera, et cetera. And she's like bleeding out profusely. Yeah. She's like very close to death. They have to get some healers in. There's a whole bunch of politics stuff we'll not, we don't need to get into. And by the end, Kat is healed, and Kat and Griffin have sex. Which Kat heals her some more. Which heals her some more, of course. Magical come. And Kat says that she loves him, and essentially that's the end of the first book. Yeah. Like, okay. okay. So, quick PSA. If, you're, if you find yourself in the position of being impaled or stabbed, don't and the object out. is still there, don't, don't take it out. It's the only thing stemming your blood loss. Mm-hmm. Also, if you take it out, you might nick something even yeah. more important on the way out. Just stay calm. Yeah. Scream for help. Mm -hmm. Call 911. Mm -hmm. Don't stem don't the blood it loss around it. But, like, do not. Don't. Don't wiggle it. Don't. Just leave it alone. Yeah. Just leave it alone. And you know what? Kat's stubborn, and she's like, I'm going to kill this bitch. Right. I don't want her to be just running off and get no comeuppance yeah but oh, i don't i on. don't get it i don't get why she has to be endangered a second time because she was barely recovering from giving griffin all of her life source and then yeah she just has to get stabbed at the end yes. of the book for no reason just because you we need to resolve this daphne situation which shouldn't have been a situation right in the first place it seems like a little bit of a, a pointless plot line that's only it's pointless and like anti-feminist of like yeah 
okay i think i much would rather have like a novella or something where like daphne is in daphne's point of view where she thinks she's in this committed relationship Mm -hmm. with griffin and he comes back from like a different mission and he's like completely enamored with another girl that would hurt and that would hurt and i would like to see that happen and then daphne start to like slowly fall in love with another person or something yeah because what was the plan you kill her and then he falls in love with you no yeah and that was her plan which makes no fucking sense no fucking sense yeah it does feel very like thrown in and after so many different trials throughout this book it's just like oh my gosh can she just not have a break yeah that's like it's like at this point it's gratuitous gratuitous yes so my issue with the ending, like Jenny said, it just ended her with like, you know, sex and her being like, I love you. And like, that's it. That's it. It's not an ending no. because none of the issues that was raised in this book were resolved. Right. The Griffin, chapter before that could have been an ending where she was yeah. almost outed for her identity. Right. Griffin didn't know, still didn't know that she was Beta Fusa. Mm-hmm. Her mom's still out to get her. Mm-hmm. They're still trying to conquer the realms. Yeah. N- like. Hello. Like it could have ended with Griffin being like, well, now we're going to conquer the worlds and her being frightened. Yeah. It could have ended with her. Um, or just her, like, the the reveal. The reveal of her, her identity would have been so good. So instead of like having this whole one really plot, big thing up. Yeah. Like her cousin Helen comes to the banquet and like calls her Talia because her full name is Catalia, um, the lost princess, and she almost calls her that. And it would have just been, I think, more rewarding yeah. to then have like this, like okay, I know you're lying to me, and like I'm right. going to, pe- and he pieces it together. And it's been and teased end it like that throughout the whole book. Yes. So like, if you're going to tease it for a whole book, end it with that. Yeah. Because it's not a cliffhanger if you just didn't write an ending. Right. Like it just ends. And the thing is, I'm fine and I'm perfectly content with a romance novel ending on a happy ending. Like, of course. Right. But when you're setting up for a series and this is a trilogy, but when you, you yeah, have to have exactly. a good ending. And when you raise so many issues in the first, like, book, I would like yeah. to see at least one of those things resolved so that there's a sense of completion. Mm-hmm. Because what was happening when the book was first released and there was no second book? Like, I would have forgotten everything that happened until the second book came out and i would have to reread or yeah more likely don't pick up the second book i remember that the second book in the series breath of fire was the first arc i ever got for my old blog which is ready set and read.blogspot.com it's still there it still exists i don't post on there anymore Uh, but that was the first arc i got and i knew it was a sequel so i immediately read this first book and then just jumped into the second Mm, one mm -hmm. so i don't quite like rereading this i was like oh like my like conceived or like my memory is a bit off where i thought like things happened at different points so i thought that this reveal of who cat was happened at the end of the first book when it it actually happens i think like the The end of the first chapter the very beginning of the first book actually which feels weird which feels weird so because the second book picks up right like the morning after yeah the night of where the first book ends and then he just barges in and was like you've been lying to me and they have this huge fight yeah and i was like okay you couldn't have done this in the last book i think it would have been 
very fun to see that argument happen and then the readers are like oh my god are they gonna be okay and i'm also in a i'm also a huge proponent that like yeah you can have multiple books in series and have cliffhangers but every book should be able to stand on its own Mm -hmm. as a book right and have that because i think what makes a series a good series is in each individual book you have yes that third um what is it called third third act no you have like a first, second, and third act that goes to completion in each book. Mm-hmm. And then overall in the series, there's also an overarching first, second, and third act. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's what makes it good. And so th- she has all this buildup for like a longer series. Right. But I don't think there's ever a denouement in this actual book. It just ends so sort of abruptly. Like with falling action. And there's no actual conclusion or cliffhanger. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. Even to the point where Griffin proposed taking over the world and Kat didn't even agree yet. Like, that was still not... Like, so not many things were brought up that wasn't resolved that I'm like... Because all that does is just bring up another conflict. Right. It doesn't resolve anything. So, I'm like, okay, where are you going? Yeah. Just end the book. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. But... I'm, I'm glad it didn't end with an engagement, though. I think... I think it kind of did. Almost But did. she did not agree to it. And I think that's... Yeah, character and i think if that was the ending i i think i would have been a more oh for sure yeah Yeah. no because she's still like you know oh i have so many secrets and yeah yeah so she agreed to an engagement i would have been like oh whoa yeah i think would have been too like she's too much like i'm not like other girls oh god yeah to have an ending where she accepts an engagement yeah she's not like whole and healed because he loves her yeah not exactly so i'm glad she stuck to that all right so overall wild ride of a book yeah we could talk about this for hours but we won't do that to you yeah let just know every 30 pages there's like a huge accent action scene so it's hard to like talk about this book in a linear way yeah because we're interested in the relationship first and foremost first and foremost because it is a romance novel yeah yeah, so apologies to anyone who's a really big fan of the series and we left out a bunch of major plot points. Mm-hmm. Like, we are aware. Yeah. Sorry, we just wanted to talk about how fucking much they flirted. Yeah, and how so cute. hot Griffin is. <laughs> Not Kim moaning into the microphone. I did. I didn't know such thing. <laughs> You know what? If everyone had to hear me simp over Marcus Castor up from Spoiler Alert, they have to hear you, too, for this one. It's just this book is coming to me in a very specific point in my life. Yes. And you know what? We'll revisit this years down. You'll be like, wow, that book Can is I just perfect have, like, for the moment. Can you just a strapping 230-pound full of muscle yeah. warlord come knocking at our door? Please, like, like I said, I will. However many goats you need mm-hmm. sacrificed, I'll do it. A weighted blanket can only do so much. Oh my god! Yeah, I have an eighty-pound weighted blanket. <gasps> Kim, <laughs> do you only supposed to have a that's blanket like, that's like ten percent of your body that's weight? That's more than half of my body weight. Kim, how do you get out from under that thing? I don't. <laughs> you just die. Okay. <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah. I, everything's fine. And you know what? Next week will be will be better. 
Uh-huh. Sure. We're going to make it better. Okay. So, Jenny, mm-hmm. what do you give a breath of fire? Oh, geez. I haven't even thought about my rating. <laughs> yeah. I think I'll give it a solid four. It's a good book for an introductory fantasy romance. There's a lot of hotness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a lot of great action, but that third act does fall a little flat for me. Uh, I would give it a three and a half ripped bodices mm-hmm. out of five ripped bodices because it, like, the ending really ticked me off. It's just a quirk of mine that, like, one when I read a book, I would like for there to be some sort of resolution. Yeah. Um, and then I super didn't enjoy, you know, the Daphne situation. Not a fan of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, unless it's the TV show, which is great. And everyone should check it out. Yeah. And I would say that, like, even though these ratings are five stars, we all, we both had such a oh, fun time Oh, yeah. But this. I definitely had so much fun. And I, I mean, like I said, I came knocking down at your door, demanding yeah. the second book. So we heavily enjoyed the reading experience. Excellent build up. Yeah. wonderful relationship they're yeah. both such assholes mm-hmm. assholes made for each other yeah yeah all okay. right well thank you so much for listening to this episode you can find us on instagram and twitter at ripping on pod and you can email us at ripping on bodice rippers at gmail.com please subscribe and rate us five stars mm-hmm. we're a fledgling little podcast and yeah. apple really like it when people review things yeah so please help us out if you enjoyed it tell your friends we love we love listeners yeah and we'll see you soon uh for our next episode where we'll be discussing honey girl by morgan rogers yeah and until next time send me a warlord yeah you know what if you have an intimate messiah let let him know please email us i'll give you all my